As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. The Browns, huh? It's re- it's really going to be the Browns? Chiefs Browns? Sunday at 2 p.m. Central? The Browns! Yeah, all right. Yeah, sure, why not? Welcome to Time's Ours. Super Wild Card Weekend is over. And, guys, the Chiefs are going to play the Browns to go to the AFC Championship game. That's what they got to do next weekend. 2.05 p.m. Central kickoff. They beat the Browns. They go to the AFC Championship game again. That doesn't sound so bad. How do you guys feel? We did discuss this as a possible option <laughs> because we were contractually obligated to discuss all the options. Uh, I, I guess uh, <laughs> I, they should have called it after the first quarter, but stranger things have happened, but it didn't happen. Uh, man, I, I don't know guys. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, just a, a fairy tale story that I didn't see coming. Um, we're going to obviously discuss this at great length, but just on the just on the immediate appearance, um, I was surprised in a way that I wasn't prepared for, given the fact that they led wire to wire and. Um, Seth, I mean, just, just say the, say the sentence that Josh just said out loud. If you beat the Cleveland Browns, you go to the AFC championship game. (laughs) Um, I'll be honest. Did you guys expect Pittsburgh to win? I, I, I was, I am not where Nate is. Nate seems like this, this game really shook him to his core. I thought that the Browns were probably going to lose by about the same margin they beat Mason Rudolph by, which was minimal because I don't think either of those teams are terrifying. But I thought it was on the table. I'm worried about Nate. I feel like Nate, Nate's mind has been broken by this. I feel like he's been <laughs> um, I mean, the, the internet is forever. Uh, you can go look this up on a lovely website called Twitter. Um, you know, I had put out the scenario. Um, that, you know, it appeared 
as of mid-afternoon on Sunday, that it was going to be Chiefs-Ravens, unless, was the big word in the, in the tweet, unless the Browns pull off an upset. It is, uh, it's very hard for a team to win a divisional game week 17 and in the wild card round. Um, you just anticipated, I think, that the Steelers, even though they're home and in a pandemic season, uh, that they did rest some starters in week 17, most notably Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the Browns had really never been there. Guys, do we need to acknowledge that the Browns didn't have their coach? Yes. Yeah, or like, practice all week. I they think, didn't I practice think all week? Well, coaches and practice once. are overrated. They, they practiced once. They didn't have their coach. Uh, a couple key players in the secondary, which we'll get to later, didn't play in the game because of the COVID situation over there. Um, it appeared to be dire by kickoff. And... Then the Steelers just didn't take them with the level of respect necessary for the playoffs. So you're telling me a, a Hall of Fame quarterback and arguably a Hall of Fame coach came out of a home playoff game not prepared. Less than the team that didn't practice all week except for one day and didn't have their head coach. And their coaching staff had to drive to the game because, you know, isolation and trying to protect the players that could play. It is it is truly remarkable. Um, all credit goes to the Cleveland Browns, but all the blame goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers for that just horrific first quarter performance. <laughs> The we we got an opportunity, and maybe this is something I'll write on this week. To you know, I was, I was desperately trying to pull back the curtain right away. I was desperately trying to think, what am I going to write about this week? Obviously, I'll take a look at you know the matchups, you know maybe position group, and you know what the Browns do well versus what the Chiefs do well. But you know, other than that, it's like, well, the Chiefs haven't played a meaningful game in weeks. <laughs> like, there's mm-hmm. not like new film to break down for Kansas City, and it, it made the way the Steelers lost. Made me think, obviously, it's impossible to not go back to the divisional round last year for the Chiefs and them falling down 24 nothing. And really, all it took for that lead to not feel insurmountable, at least to me, the moment McCall Hardman had a great kick return and mm-hmm. gave the Chiefs good field position, I was like, oh, okay, phew. Even though they were still down 24 nothing, And then, you know, three plays later, they had scored. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be fine. You could see the difference between the Chiefs and a team like the Steelers, for whom a 28-point lead seemed utterly insurmountable. <laughs> like, not even close. Now, to be fair, they started to come back from that. And then proceeded to just, you know... Hand it away. Here's another thing we could talk about because this applies to a couple different games. For all the talk about fourth down. Yes. And when to go for it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a lot of people are sick of hearing about that. Preach it, Because you know, it's like every time someone punts, you, you know, you can predict what Twitter's going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's annoying for some people. It, mm-hmm. It's annoying for me sometimes. But mm-hmm. there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. And that's because you see unbelievably stupid decisions being made (sighs) in games that really matter. The Colts and the Steelers 
both deserved to lose. And, and this is something I would pretty rarely say, I think, based on one decision alone each made. When you punt, like it was just, it was crazy. So, you know, you got the Colts game. I don't remember what yard line they were on. You know, it was like fourth and one. They're losing by 10. Or I, I You know what? I'm going to get the situation completely wrong. But I, I remember seeing, you know, you've got like the surrender index Twitter yes. account. Yes. I was just pulling that up actually to try to. And get it was just like, you know, this was one of the most cowardly. It was like the most cowardly punt of the year um, in terms of like b- cost benefit because there wasn't a ton of time left. They were losing. It was like a yard or two yards. And they punted and they barely gave themselves any extra field position. And I, it was like considered like one of the worst. It was this, the worst this year, and then like the worst, one of the worst in like 10 years. And yet, that might not have even been the worst one this weekend because the Steelers, what was it, fourth and two on the Browns 40? 46, I believe. <laughs> it was near midfield. It was like <laughs> and, and you're down 12, I believe? Yeah, they're down 12. I, I, the, the, it made no sense. I actually have to pull up the game situation to remember just how just utterly incomprehensible this was because they punted on fourth and one from the 46, but it took a delay of game uh, down 35 to 23 and it with 50, basically 15 minutes left in the game. And that so, was a 94th percentile of cowardly punts the so, 2020 season. But that Titans <laughs> one was literally like basically the, this, this Twitter account, the surrender index was basically like, yeah, this is as bad it as the it Titans. Gets. Yes. Yeah, the yeah Titans, it was the, right, Titans the Titans one, won. not the Colts. No, the, Titan, the Titans one set the the real pace there, but the the Steelers had a couple of humdingers. But it's interesting because you said they took a they took a false start or took a delay game. The Steelers did. Yeah. Here's the funny thing: is it, they they benefited in terms of you know how that would rate as a cowardly punt by taking that delay of game because you know it backed them up a they, little bit. They took that into account, I think. Oh, yeah, did they? They got, they got like a pre and post. Yeah, that is this it, the most insane thing to me. It's crazy when you are close enough to the end zone. You're like, man, we better back up a little. So, and it still didn't matter. They still, I mean, they they end up gaining like like 20, 25 yards of field position that the Browns gained back within two plays, three plays is ridiculous. Um, there, that's a reason. That's something that well, is worth set. discussing. And ca- my counter argument, I mean, momentum. And, 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 and this is where, see, and this is, I don't even want to get into that conversation because honestly, it, it, it's stupid to think that, that, that confidence and, and a form of momentum doesn't exist. And that's what Mike Tomlin said after the game is that he wanted to keep momentum, which is why they punched the football away. Right. And that, that's exactly it. Even if you believe that, that confidence, momentum, those are things that matter. How does punting help? Momentum. (laughs) Trust, trust in my defense. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, yeah. Don't if blink. You just, yeah, don't. If you just repeat the same word, splash, <laughs> splash, <laughs> popcorn. And yeah, yeah. What are <laughs> we don't blink, but we punt. That happened fast yeah. for Mike Tomlin. Like this time last year, like man, that guy that we never gave that dude enough credit. And this year, listen, we're all just going splash. Well, he's been he, eliminated from the playoffs. He he is Mike Tomlin is clearly an awesome. Uh, leader of men, manager of people. Yes. But in terms of in-game decision-making, he is, you know, Andy Reid drives fans crazy sometimes, but Andy Reid never punts in either, on all, either of those two ones. I don't even think, and if he tried, I think Mahomes would, would in a loving way, incapacitate him. 
and get out there anyway. I don't know if Mahomes keeps a little chloroform in his back pocket for just such an emergency. There you, you know, go, Danielle. There's the Twitter video. Glad to make that one easy for you this early in the game. <laughs> Seth accuses Patrick Mahomes of carrying chloroform in his pocket at all Only times. for cool, the cool, purposes cool, cool, cool. of bad fourth down judgment calls. Only for the purposes of using on his own coach. Very cool, Seth. Very Only cool. Only for purposes of good. That's what I've say, decided. Like Batman. So we have to we have to acknowledge, fellas, that Mike Tomlin, arguably a Hall of Fame coach, Mike Vrabel, a known quality coach. Will it, yeah, who's puts who's, who's been willing to put some things on the line for a Super Bowl. He's on the record. Yes. Uh Frank White, who has won a Super Bowl, not as a head coach, but as an office coordinator. Pete Carroll, who's won a Super Bowl. All these coaches may just like the 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 playoffs are a good reminder that like humans are not perfect and we can overthink things and sometimes our brains can malfunction in real time. And so it it was it's interesting to to know that the Chiefs could sit back, see how the six games, which by the way, whoo, six games. That that was glorious. Um, but you could sit back for six games and kind of see how the contenders are, you know, not only are they measuring themselves for the future, but how they're handling a situation that could be eerily similar to what you may encounter on your journey. And to know that, like, we should have faith in all of these coaches to pretty good degrees, all making mistakes, it, it just... It is somewhat mind-boggling because this information has been out there for for decades. <laughs> like it's not like right. it's not hard. Um, right. But we need to we need to also realize that in these pressurized moments, even the coaches who have been really successful at this can still make blunders. Um, and if you give Andy Reid and the Chiefs an even greater coaching advantage, uh, that does not bode well for the rest of the AFC, perhaps the rest of the NFL. Um, but I used—I wrote an article two years ago, guys, that we all loved, which was basically because of the 2018 Chiefs defense, don't you dare punt. Don't think about punting. Mm-hmm. Punting ain't even a real thing you can do in playoff games. The Chiefs have two punters again. They should have zero. They should recut <laughs> Dustin Colquitt and Tommy Townsend. Hey, so, you shut your mouth. <laughs> quiet, chloroform boy. I've got a take. I've got a take. And you've got the take that Patrick Mahomes wants to chloroform Andy Reid, and I think the Chiefs should cut all their kickers. So, like. Punters. Uh, punting. All of them. Everybody needs their all leg. Of them. Buckers out of here, too. Like, <laughs> once you cross Over the. two. Yes. Once you cross the 40-yard line. Punty needs to be the least of your options in Absolutely. certain in certain situations. It's it's and a break glass in case of emergency. It's yeah. a oh man, we got a penalty and you know it it was it you know we were on the twenty yard line. Now it's fourth and twenty, and we're at the forty. And one could make an argument that you well because I mean you've got the, the risk of incomplete passes and that kind of stuff. I, I get all that. But it's it's a break glass in case of emergency, and I just so I kind of wanted to. It's funny because um, uh, on this show, I've I've tended to take a counter position to the overreach of analytics, 
Yeah, I'm gonna the, see if you, if I get in, if I get a chance on this topic. If you kind of just throw it to me, I'm gonna just sit in silence and see how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason for that is probably because of you know the way in which it's been presented by someone here. But I'm not gonna say sure. who. No, it's the mess- and that no, you no, blow, you know, no, blow the know, brains out of the messenger. That's what they say. <laughs> That's the famous saying. And so the um the well it all it all depends on how the messenger presents is what I think. And sure. so. I so I, I tend to like you know occasionally because it is important to take you know context into account individual plays you know sometimes with your matchup it's bad so you don't do this you don't do that blah 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 those those things are all true at the end of the day though what we're seeing is is, is decisions that don't make sense in the individual situation either and that's where and that's why so I'm trying to for people that are tired of the all oh, that punt didn't make sense conversation I get that honestly people who are tired of the oh they should have gone for two here I get that I really do because in some situations you know you're kind of ending up in a well you know if you take into account all the information over the NFL over the last 20 years you would have been 56% more likely to win versus 51% more like in that context I think it's relatively meaningless in, but but the problem is it keeps getting brought up and it should because you see decisions that make so little sense in the moment just because that's the the way that it's always been done. You know, like like you know, you know, Josh, you, you say, you know, trust the defense, or maybe Nate, you said that as a joke, but that's genuinely be considered a correct way of thinking about those situations for years, rather than, man, it's the fourth quarter. We might not have another possession to get within one score. You know, because nine minutes is not all the time in the world. It's not. And and and, and that's what I get trusting your defense. I but I mean also if you want to talk about individual matchups, what specifically had Pittsburgh's defense like I kind of like with the Titans want to make an argument, oh, you know, we've mostly shut them down all day. I guess even then that that punt was really bad that punt was that punt was chaotic um yeah and you got, idiotic you, you and got idiotic just be, because you were already plus the you're already on the plus side of the field yeah you, you've got mitch schwartz out here going what are they doing mm-hmm. like, yeah and, and whenever i saw him tweet about it i knew it was going to become a full thing yeah i i don't i try not to like assume anymore whenever twitter is going to hate a decision or not because it just feels like i, I don't know i i predict that with like a 40 percent uh accuracy Whenever I saw Mitchell Schwartz be like, oh, wait, they're punting there? I was like, oh, yeah, here we go, everybody. Everyone's right. going to hate this one. This is going to be great. And so it, it's a good opportunity to think about, you know, as Nate kind of alluded to, you really do end up, I think Chiefs fans take for granted because, and we've talked about this before, when you are watching one team over and over and over, it's really easy to start focusing on their flaws. And one of the things that Chiefs fans sometimes talk about, well, Andy Reid's a little too conservative. He runs more than he should on second down. So when you compare him to other teams – He's very ahead of the curve. Now, I want him to keep, you know, pushing the the boundaries and keep mm-hmm. going, you know, to where he's never running on second and 10 unless it's like, <laughs> wow, wow, there's two, you know, there's two defensive linemen and no linebackers. Okay, fine. You know, take the easy six or seven yards. Fine. But like, you know, I want to see him go for it more often than he does. But compared to what you see across the NFL, Andy Reid is actually a pretty aggressive coach. And I'm grateful for that because you see, and, and again, the Titans probably would have lost anyway. I think, I don't think they're as good a team as Baltimore. Um, I think the Steelers would have lost anyway. I think the Steelers really showed who they were in the last, you know, six weeks of the season. But 
man, talk about making it as hard as possible on yourself to succeed. Yeah. And that that's just one of my one of the, my takeaways. That and I got to tell you, I know people don't like change. I understand teams like the Bears getting into the playoffs is a little annoying. Did you guys hate having three games to no, watch? No, it's great. I mean, no. I, I got I got a little bit. I got I don't say I got burnt out, but there were a couple of times I was like, "Woof, we are we are two sixths of the way through this weekend." You know, at the midway point on Saturday. But it was still wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you have to be selective in knowing um, which games you can take a nap, which games you could run to right. the grocery store, um, which games you cannot, which games have no impact on your life. <coughs> Saints Bears. Um. Well, here's the thing, Nate. Here's the thing. That was gonna be my nap game yesterday. You know, I was gonna, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll catch the first half, see where we're at, wake up in time for the end of the fourth. Here's the issue. That game was the most much must watch television. Because at least one third of this podcast right now watched an entire football game on Nickelodeon yesterday, and it was weird but good. <laughs> Did, okay, I was curious, Josh. I was counting on you to watch the Nickelodeon version of that I game. I watched the whole thing. I did the, not hear Tony Romo's voice yesterday. The the in the MVP killed me when when that when that started circulating. Mitch that was Trubisky like, won the MVP. MVP. <laughs> They talked to Cam Jordan after the game because he was third place in the voting because the top two were Bears. <laughs> it, it, it just, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great weekend. I, uh, it, it was a lot of fun just sitting watching football. So I guess I look, understand and, we, and we, we don't want to dilute it, but I'm here for more football. And we yeah. called it. We called it right. I, 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 I was sitting joyfully. Philip Rivers, go get us a field goal, dog. Right. Like, just go out there and get it. And they didn't even get an attempt off. Hey, yeah, all of your bad. players, all of your players are gonna forget how to play football for the last 90 seconds of this game. Could you get us there anyway, please, Phil? <laughs> the fact that his career could end on a Hail Mary that, that fluttered a little short and didn't yeah. really have a real chance. Mm-hmm. The fact that that could be the end of his career as opposed to one of his terrible uh weapons fumbling the ball to end the playoff run, that feels more right. Like I feel like Rivers could retire off that and it would make sense. Yeah. It, 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 I just want to take uh, about 30 seconds here and pat myself on the back. We all, we all knew that only Colts, 30 seconds this week. I, we all knew that the man, you know, Nate, have you noticed that, that Josh is, is, is a certain no. something in the morning. There's a word for it. I, but I, I I'm just ashamed of how late that one came out for me. I hear you, but I was, I was, I was thinking more of the long the, the lines of, of Josh on this one. <laughs> I am not, Good. I am not your ally Great. here. <laughs> um, I, I seem to recall a couple of uh, people on this podcast ah. who thought that the Bills were going to smash the Colts, and I pointed out correctly that it is Phil Rivers' destiny. To be down by a field goal in a game that everyone knows they're not going to actually win, but they're going to get to like midfield mm-hmm. and make you think they're going to win. Also, just on another coaching note, remember when Andy Reid's clock management was a crippling weakness? Yes. That last drive by the Colts, we, we got to see a bunch of like, really in the NFL, a lot of things are self-inflicted. And when there's two minutes left and, you and you're huddling... 
and you don't get a field goal attempt off. You, you don't uh, even get a field goal attempt off. And they're, you're checking down. Like, you want to see the difference. We talked about this a lot this year. The difference with Patrick Mahomes when his team is trailing or on third downs. You know mm-hmm. one thing he doesn't do? Check down to one yard. And we saw, we saw this in the Steelers game, too. Check down to, like, a one-yard throw in the middle of the field. When there's two minutes left and you're out of timeouts. With no timeouts. You are literally better off chucking the ball at the running back's feet there and just and and saving yourself the 15 seconds. Because that one yard is meaningless at that point. Um, Can can I also remind, you know, can I remind the fans uh, that that Josh Allen in the fourth quarter showed up? It was great. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 I'm sure Brian Dable was in this hit was in, was in the helmet. Like, all right, dog, um, we're somehow gonna continue to pass the ball, even though the Colts have literally no timeouts. Um, you can't take a sack. You you well you well, you definitely can't take a sack and fumble the ball. Like, what what are we doing? Um, the Bills kind of should have lost that game or or like their consequences should at least have been going to overtime but it was fun to see josh allen play good football for three quarters and then look up and be like fourth quarter in a wild card game my time to shine (laughs) the fourth quarter man they should have lost that game that's a that's a that's a fun oh and also i i did tweet something really bitter after the game you did let's talk about that how are you how how are your packet yeah, how were you? Uh, what 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 triggered you there? Seth? Well, I got a little annoyed watching the post game discussion on the Bills, and I wasn't going to say anything because it was a dumb narrative in the first place. So the Bills win by three, and really, you know, the Colts had to score to get it within three. The game wasn't quite as close as win by three. Although, I mean, really, sounds, they sounds, got within what 15, 20 yards of a game tying field goal. Right. Sounds sounds somewhat sounds somewhat familiar. Yeah, it does sound somewhat familiar. Although. None of the games other than the Falcons game were really that close for the Chiefs. And what got what annoyed me is as I'm listening to the post-game commentary, I'm hearing them say things, you know, the Bills had been dominating teams down the stretch. But, you know, it's games like this you really showed that you've learned how to win. You've really learned how to close and, like, all these compliments. And I thought to myself, gee, I feel like I heard a lot about close games heading into this week. And it wasn't this. This is not what I heard heading into the week. And it was a very frustrating thing for me. And so I tweeted something passive aggressive, which I know is shocking. But (laughs) it was just, it's just interesting to me how narratives work, which by the way, Josh, I think you've been scrolling through Twitter. We really need to talk about narratives. Um, I saw your, your. Oh yeah. We can come to this. The one that's happening for this week. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. The one that's happening for this week. Absolutely. Okay, Uh, I just wanted to make sure because that's unbelievable. Um, It's happening. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Can oh, I can I goodness. can I give you can I give you something on the narratives real quick? Can I give you something that I realized I, mid games yesterday that that I I was genuinely a little bit surprised to realize quite this way. I told you that I literally watched the entire Bear Saints game on Nickelodeon. I I did not watch the CBS broadcast for even one moment of it, and I didn't miss it. I didn't miss the standard NFL broadcast element. I, I agree. Like I have, it all. I, I, I agree. I agree. You know, I, uh, the the four letter company had a uh, had a had a uh, what do they call these things? The the mega cat. Oh, the me- oh, um, with our good friends, Mita Kimes, Daryl Olavsky, Mark Spears. They're not my friends. I wish they were my friends, but I'm not going to try to take it that was, credit. It was um, it was it was a great product. I you, so I you, you know how much I love Lewis Riddick, but I was like, I gotta let you go at halftime, Lewis. <laughs> I'll come back afterwards. <laughs> You might, you're gonna be an NFL GM eventually, but they're having they're having some good talks over they're here about like why that part was done. Some um, I, I saw lots of great tweets about the ESPN ESPN Plus megacast. Yes. I checked out the other ones briefly, and what I just thought was so interesting was that, and you know, our good good friends, uh, really time you know Time Czar's honorary co-host at this point, uh, Lewis Riddick. <laughs> no 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 shade, but. Um, there, there was like the film room mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. and then there's that ESPN plus group that is like going a level deeper. The film room also obviously going a level deeper in a totally different way. Right. Um, maybe not totally different sphere, but in a, in a, in a different way. And then there was the, the, uh, the Nickelodeon version. And I was, I was watching that one with a uh, girlfriend, Renee, who at the beginning as they're explaining all of the all of the points and whatnot with slime graphics. At one point, Renee took out a headphone and said, oh, wait, hold on. I need to, I need this, actually. I need to see whatever sort of rudimentary baseline they're, they're laying down here. That was actually probably useful for some people. And then the rest of the game, it was just uh, Iron Eagle's son, Noah, who looks like Iron Eagle crossed with, uh, with, with uh, the, the, the guy from uh, Schitt's Creek, which you can say on the podcast, Seth. It's a, there's a C in there. Dan Levy. He looked like yes. Dan Levy crossed with Iron Eagle to create Noah Eagle. It's baffling. <laughs> um, but they just sort of were like having fun, rooting for the slime cannons. So hopefully someone would score. Mitch Trubisky was winning awards. It was just a fun kind of like laid back atmosphere behind it that wasn't. It was refreshing because I didn't need like the crappy instant analysis that doesn't actually really come from much of anything that you'll find down the dial on a, on an average Sunday. Eventually. I, I don't think any of the broadcasts this weekend were like terribly rudimentary, but like there were you know, people were tweeting about this, that during the Titans game, the main broadcast was not, did not even mention the Titans punt that we just talked about. And that the ESPN plus one was like losing its mind. Losing its like, <laughs> like <laughs> Mina Kimes me like, but 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 I don't understand. And then, yeah, and then and then Marcus Spears, uh, Mark Spears made um made a very good point in the idea of like, well, what does that feel like as an actual player on defense? Oh, I got to go back out there because we punted for twenty five yards. 
Y'all ain't, y'all ain't gonna try a skull? Yeah. I thought we was down, coach. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were losing. <laughs> I and, thought we was losing. Like they brought a lot of uh great, like in the in the immediate moment, like how everyone is probably thinking in in the situation, and then all the negative effects of it. It was it was really impressive. The uh, I can't. I think it was that same. Yeah, it, w- it would have still been the ESPN crew when they had a broadcast on Freeform, which is the channel that used to be ABC Family. Basically, yeah. they just play Harry Potter at Christmas. That channel always has a Harry Potter movie on it. Essentially, is how I've grown to to know it. They had one that I honestly did not think was was fully working, but where it was supposed to be a, a kind of like a little more live stream format and i feel like it i tweeted at the time that it was still kind of how do you do fellow kids like they weren't quite there in a way that i think the nickelodeon one paid off on more but it was just remarkable to me how little i missed just sort of like the normal broadcasting cliches in in some instances like with the espn megacasts giving you some more like information rich broadcasts and mm-hmm. with the nickelodeon it was like no, no we're just gonna strip some of this back and you're gonna have a better time because you don't have to tweet about whatever phil sim said about punting you know like that it, I I was very I was very interested it as uh, to kind of like unpack how how okay I was with that whole with that with the whole like tradition of that being pretty busted down for better more interesting formats. It's tangential, but I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that are I mean people in our situation that have watched a lot of broadcasts there there comes uh, there's a certain cadence. That if you've watched one football game, you've heard it all. Mm-hmm. In a lot of a lot of the color commentary is pretty similar, um, especially. And play by play is done with varying levels of ability. A lot of the play by play guys, I think, are are generally quite good at it. That's a really mm-hmm. hard thing is to it? do. And, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the color commentary, I think, is where you find the biggest variance, except with, with with the exception of if Kevin Harlan's calling the game, then there is a high variance above literally everyone else mm-hmm. in play by play. Um I could listen to Kevin Harlan like narrate my life. <laughs> and it would be the greatest thing ever. But it, it really is the color commentary and I think because so much of what you hear in every game cuz really a lot the same things happen in a lot of football games. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and you know the same situations present themselves in kind of different ways. And the way it gets talked about, it's very easy to just fall into a pattern. And so one thing I appreciate about, you know, the Megacast or, you know, the Nickelodeon thing even, I, I liked the Slime Zone. I thought that was fun. It was um, fun. Yeah. yeah I, was I, was like, the, I was legitimately the second touchdown. And pumped my fist in the air. It was Slime <laughs> time, baby. Let's go. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, the NFL, for all the things they do that mystify me at times, that's not a stupid thing that they're doing. Mm-mm. And not a stupid thing at all. Although they're going to create a bunch of poor Bears fans. Like, <laughs> that seemed mean. Although maybe not after how that game went. But it, it really is good, I think, to have alternatives that are maybe like the way one of you described it as like kind of information rich. Mm-hmm. And to where you can kind of hear some of the things that we've learned about football over the last decade. Yeah. Um, and I think you can do both. You and that's where it kind of feels like you're you're always you know trying to choose. It's kind of like similar to like you know how do we evaluate a team through film or through analytics? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And and it, it it's good to see a broadcast attempt to do that. And I think 
overall, people underestimate how much the way people talk about football is dictated by the way football games are called. Yeah. And I think seeing a little more variety in that would be, that's why like uh, Aqib Talib, when he's calling games, yeah, you know, people talk about whether, you know, he's polished, this, this sort of thing, that sort of thing. He, you want to talk about like, not the direction of analytics, but like the direction of film mm-hmm. and more like player experience. And like, he's willing and, to just say it. And, and the, and you have to remember too, he's also, he's also the opposite of Tony Romo. So as much as I love Tony Romo from mm-hmm. a pre-snap standpoint, I love Aqib Talib from a post-snap standpoint about where coverages are rolling and what's the proper responsibilities and how are they playing down in distance? Like all these things are, are fascinating, but like you mentioned, Seth, it's nice to have a variety to show um, fans, observers, just the, the idea of like, well, yes, the quarterback can, can obviously see things. He can obviously dictate on offense, but a lot of what the defense does pre and post snap is, is wildly fascinating, no matter what the situation is. Right. And and these are things that, that can help people learn more about the game. I am a firm believer in the more someone learns about football, the more they love it. I, I really believe that. I think some people enjoy the game uh, on a more surfacey level, but they kind of more like talk about like the, the Madden GM type of stuff, mm-hmm. which is why they're always angry when talking about football because, well, I would have done this. I would have done this. But the more you learn about football and the more you see, I, I really do think it's a beautiful sport. I think it's so cool how everything is interconnected and all the options that stem from every play. And I think you see that with more variety, like what you guys are talking about. Um, and so I, I don't know. I just, it, it, it was a cool thing to see them diving in and maybe pushing the boundaries a little bit on what we thought a game called could look like. And I think in the end, it'll make people smarter fans mm-hmm. and and fans who enjoy the game more. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go ahead then and talk about, I think there, there are a couple of things still, I I do want to talk about the Browns, uh, obviously. I think what I'll say is if we can leave ourselves five minutes at the end of the show for dessert, we can have a little Houston Texans talk. Cause I don't think, I don't think we've had a chance to, to fully, uh, dig into some of the places that's gone and Bill O'Brien's not there anymore, but they're still the Texans. Yep. And uh, I'm gonna just leave a little bit of that at the end, as like a as like a treat of of uh, how these last several days have gone for them. Because I think the last show we did was the the day that that story ended up breaking. Mm-hmm. The serves. So that's I'm just telling you guys, if we leave ourselves a little space, that that's the dessert we'll allow ourselves if we're good. But let's let's talk about let's talk about the Browns being the actual matchup. Uh, I was I was rooting for this. I mean, I mentioned last week, I thought Chiefs-Browns would have sort of a weird, fun kind of uh, matchup energy to it, especially yeah, after the Ravens won. I don't know why. I was rooting for the Ravens just because I didn't want to talk about Derrick Henry for another week. That was my only reason. Uh, but the once the Ravens won, I know we talked about many times over, you know, the, the Chiefs kind of have a narrative building against the Ravens that is fun from the Chiefs' perspective. But I kind of like a little weird, little fresh matchup. The Chiefs and Browns have never played in the playoffs, which is kind of incredible considering that they're both old franchises that have been around forever that just didn't happen to be very good for a large portion of forever. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of down for this. I'm, I'm down for a little Baker versus Mahomes. I think this will be exciting, Nate. It, it should be. It should be very exciting. I think we have to acknowledge that Kareem Hunt will play a a pivotal role 
in who wins and who loses. Um, even even maybe more so than than Derrick Henry, Josh, just because he's a he's a he's such a talented receiver at the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the Chiefs' offense. I'm sure some information will be relayed to Kevin Stefanski. Will he be back? Do we know? He's supposed to be back. He's supposed, yeah, he's supposed, to, be supposed to be back. back. But yeah. hey, you know, get 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 safe, get healthy to everybody employed by the Cleveland Browns. That's what we want more than anything. Um, man, this should be fun. Um, we didn't really see a traditional shootout over the wild card weekend. Could this game be a shootout? Um, I'm kind of intrigued with what Cleveland did. Um, if you really break it down, guys, I, I just... There's a reason the Chiefs were, were what were they favored by eight on the opening line, and then that got pushed to ten last night. From what I, I saw, I saw nine and a half was the first thing that I saw, and I was really surprised that it was that high. Honestly. So, so I, I have a couple of thoughts as to why it may be that high, um, beyond just Patrick Mahomes and and Andy Reid and like going into Arrowhead Stadium. But I, like, it's it should be a fun matchup because, like you said, we've never seen it before. Uh, the Browns have changed a lot from the last time these two teams played in the 2018 season where Mahomes was throwing for, you know, 50 touchdown passes. And, you know, Kareem Hunt was on the Chiefs roster when that game occurred. Uh, obviously, a lot has happened since then. I, I just, I get the sense that schematically, as weird as it sounds, the Browns had honestly became a like, the Steelers had become a better matchup for the Browns the more the season went further along. Mm-hmm. And that rarely happens, particularly in the division, because the two teams should know each other so well that, like, it's hard to exploit all of their issues while not, you know, lending yourself to be exploited as well. Um, I don't know, you know, what you saw out of it, Seth, but I think the Chiefs, like, so much of this game comes down to just, are the Chiefs healthy? And we can't mm-hmm. forget that. Like, Wednesdays and Thursdays practice this week will be critical in regards to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Mike Rimmers, uh, Will Mitchell Schwartz be on the practice field? Um, what is going to happen with Willie Gay in terms of his injury that we saw in the in the regular season finale? Um, I think this week is more about the Chiefs than anything the Browns can do. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. And that's generally going to be true in almost every game the Chiefs play, unless it's against a team that stacks up pretty well against them talent-wise, which isn't to say the Browns aren't talented. But there's a reason what they're doing right now is considered kind of a surprise. I think it's going to be an interesting thing for a few reasons. One being, I think we're going to hear a lot of conversation this week about how the Browns are built to keep the ball away from the Chiefs mm, and yummy. run it down the top. Now, here's, here's one thing I would say. <laughs> Let's have a big bowl of that, that, that narrative. That's exciting. Now, now, if there was a team that's built to run the ball 55 times, it's the Browns. And they can shorten the game if they really commit to it, but they got to play good defense. And just something worth noting, and, and we'll kind of see how it plays out, the the Browns, by by football outsiders' efficiency ratings, are one of the worst defenses in the league against the pass. And the problem is the the the, the Steelers they couldn't 
really do anything about that because the Steelers aren't that good at offense, like in general. Like this is the team that made Cincinnati's defense everyone go, whoa, man, look at Cincinnati running around there. And and so I just, I think Cleveland's best shot is to win a shootout of some form. And I'm just not sure they got the horses to do it. And so it, it's just going to depend a lot more, like like you said, Nate, on what, on who's healthy and what Chiefs team shows up. We've been talking about it all year. You know, Travis Kelsey gave an interview where he kind of talked about one of the hardest things this year was uh, like waiting for the playoffs, basically. Like you almost want to get it over with. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you've maybe seen some of that from the Chiefs this year where they they just, man, they're ready. They're ready for like the real season to start. We all knew they were making the playoffs this year, barring mm-hmm. like a catastrophic slew of injuries. Right. And honestly, you could have talked me into Mahomes could have gotten hurt week one, and I still think this team makes the playoffs. On, on with Chad Henney, I think there's that much talent, and it's well coached enough. It probably wouldn't have contended for a Super Bowl, but that's you know, and by probably I mean wouldn't have. But mm-hmm. th- so this is this is what they've been waiting for, and so then the question is that that next gear that they're supposed to have that has shown up in spots this year is this going to show up for more than a quarter? per game because that's been the frustration, right? Like the close game narrative, all that. I don't care that much about that, but I do care about the fact that they generally haven't, they've kind of just, you know, they'll just go off for about a quarter and that's enough. And we talked about that all year. It would be nice to see it for like a half perhaps or three quarters. And I think if the Browns see that for a half or three quarters, I just don't think they have enough. If if they see it for a quarter, Seth, I'm not sure <laughs> how they react. Now, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being honest just because, mm-hmm. you know, what the Miami Dolphins experienced against the Chiefs, and again, in that like 10 to 15 minute period, like you could see it visibly. The, the idea of like, oh, they just went up another level. And we was playing hard from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so now what? <laughs> like, <laughs> has Cleveland played anybody as talented as the Chiefs are this season? No. no I, I My first thought was, I'll make a look at their schedule. And the second thought was, well, it doesn't matter because they haven't played the Chiefs. Like, because that's, that's the actual answer. Right. right. I mean, right. I, I believe so. Well, and that's you're, you guys are absolutely. I mean, there's a reason the Chiefs are the runaway favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, and if you look, I mean, the the best teams they played this year. They lost to the Ravens twice. And they, I mean, yeah, they, they had a really competitive game against them in December. Got mm-hmm. blown the crap out in September. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got the Ravens, the Titans. They beat the Titans in a shootout. I mean, this team lost to the Jets two weeks ago. Like, I don't know how complicated we got to make this. Like, they've had some yeah. ups and downs. Well, they, yeah, 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 they're, they're, they they're, they're a receivers. playoff team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. COVID's kind of been a, a subplot all year. Yeah, the, For, Jets, the, Jets had, the Jets had Adam Gase and then the Jets roster. So, I don't know. I feel like it was a pretty evenly matched. True. And, and, and Kevin so, Stefanski coached in that game. I mean, mm-hmm. just a wild season if you're the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. It, 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 it's been a wild season for them. I think there's, you know, matchup-wise, some of the things they do well, I think maybe they could give the Chiefs problems. Because if you can run the ball at like eight yards a pop, that's a good way to beat the Chiefs. Because you're getting eight yards a pop. It doesn't really have anything to do with whether you're, you're running or passing. Possession. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It, 
It's just you're just stop it. It's just you're you're moving the ball well. And the Chiefs run defense has looked vulnerable at times this year. Um, but not quite so much lately. I just don't I I, I just don't see I just don't see Mayfield playing that well two straight games. Um, I, I just I just don't see it. Maybe. Could be wrong. But it, it just matchup-wise, the Chiefs are the more talented team. And they really, like, we're looking at it. So they played the Ravens twice, lost to them twice. They played Tennessee well, kind of. Their defense didn't. I just, I look at the Browns' defense and pretty much every good offense they played put up points on them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's problematic yeah. when you're facing the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And I also think from a human element, I do think that uh, – you remember the – was it the, the – not the 2013 Chiefs because that was that disaster in Indy. But when they when the Chiefs finally won a playoff game, they went into Houston, they beat them 30 nothing. That is 2015. That was 2015. And, I mean, that was awesome, right? I mean, everyone was really happy and that sort of stuff. But there's a feeling of accomplishment that comes with that. It's like, hey, we did it. And I do think there's a human element to that that – I don't know if the Browns really viewed themselves as Super Bowl contenders this year. And I think they're, it's hard to... What, what they're going to have to do next week is do what the Chiefs have really done all season and deal with the idea of someone's best shot, everything matters, this is such an important game, etc. And I've got to do it again after doing it last week. And I think that took a mental toll on the Chiefs this year. And I'm just curious whether they're going to really be able to, when you take the human element of it, that's going to be a difficult thing for them to do. They have now had, you know, three, two straight weeks of super emotional, you know, I wouldn't say tough wins because the Steelers, man, they crapped the bed. That was, that was tough to watch. And by tough to watch, I mean, really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't like the Steelers. I'm still bitter about. I'm still bitter about the Steelers and, you know, the they beat the Chiefs with all field goals. I mean, gosh. So I, I just I have a hard time seeing them keep up with the Chiefs because I think what you could see happen here, I think the first quarter is going to be really important for the Browns, but not so much for the Chiefs. Because someone posed the question this way, how much would the Browns have to be leading after the first quarter for you to be comfortable as a Browns fan? It's got to be more than 44. 47. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's got to be more than 24, right? I mean, it just has to be because they've all seen it. You, in a way, if you're going to be leading big after the first quarter and you're the Browns, you almost want to be, you'd rather it be 21 than 24. You'd rather, like, you don't want any kind of like, oh, that's similar. And and whereas for the Chiefs, so so let, so it's not that I important. I think you might rather it just be like like a good like seventeen, maybe even just like a nice thirteen, where yeah, not, they don't yeah, have to not, wake up yet, or, or yeah. even yeah, maybe like twenty to seven, kind of just a very dissimilar score. Yeah, something you know, something like that, and you would want it to not be based off weird things like block punts, etc. So <laughs> right. for, for for the Chiefs, though, I mean that that's demonstrated. The first quarter is it. I mean, it matters like any game of football. You don't want to waste the first three possessions on either side, but it, it doesn't matter that much. On the other hand, if the Brown, like, let's say just, you know, there's a, a touchdown, three and out touchdown and the Chiefs go up 14 zip. Is that, is that it? I mean, this next drive, suddenly if you're the Browns, it's like, holy crap, we have to mm-hmm. score a touchdown Kent, or Kent. this thing is about to get really out of hand. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Can can I give a can I give a shout out, Josh? Please shout out real quick, because um, now we're in playoff mode uh, officially today. Uh, Angie Coots, I think is her name, C O O T S from Oklahoma. Shout out to her, um, one of the subscribers and dear listeners of Times Ours who received confetti. Um, she sent us a tweet last night that I thought was fascinating. It kind of plays up to to Seth's point. Um, you know, she's Angel Angie underscore Casey. Uh, go give her a follow. But she asked us, you know, did the Browns really play that well or did the Steelers just kind of have bad luck at the start and they never recovered? Um, and I thought about this last night. And again, thank you, Angie. I, I feel like the game could not have started better for the Browns last night. Like, mm-hmm. they scored a touchdown. On the first play. <laughs> and from that moment on, belief was was ingrained. And for a playoff team who had to get through one hurdle, who had never played a game collectively together in the playoffs, where their coach isn't, isn't even in the building, let alone the state, them getting positive reinforcement on the first play and Ben Roethlisberger, shout out to shout out to Age. He was like, I mean, I know I should go for the ball. I ain't bending over. Mm-mm. No, this it's a long game, boys. Long game. There's 59 more minutes. I mostly blame James Conner for not getting the the, the fumble recovery. Yeah, God forbid we blame Ben Roethlisberger for something. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad you picked up on that, Josh. Um, Thank you, Marquis. Marquis Pouncey. What, what you what you doing? What you doing? So you give them belief on literally the first snap. Um, mm-hmm. They can get through the psychologic uh, hurdle of having to you know beat you because they beat you the week before. And Juju Smith Schuster, if there's anything that the Chiefs coaching staff should tell their players this week, um, do not disparage the Browns anymore. It's not cool. Like, <laughs> it's not cool anymore. So, Juju Smith-Schuster, if you're not aware, was like, no, the Browns are the Browns. They'll, they'll still stink in the playoffs. And kind of gave a wink on Zoom. <sighs> yeah. So, they, I, had, the, they had all of the nobody believes material. in us. They had all of yep. the positive reinforcement. They had all of the, hey, this aging quarterback, he is going to take him a minute to get warmed up because he hadn't played in a couple weeks, which I think is slightly different than having Patrick Mahomes literally in his prime take a few weeks off. There, there's there's true differences just beyond the talent. Yeah. So if if the Chiefs are just themselves in the first quarter, the game will be wildly different than what it was against the Steelers just because they scored on the first play. And then the Steelers, like, didn't make adjustments at halftime? Uh, Seth, <laughs> I encourage you to look at what their defense did in the second half. It it will it will it 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 concerns me 
for yeah. the livelihoods of those fellas and their paychecks. Because I understood what the Browns were doing, and they apparently did not. <laughs> well, not, yeah, the, the Browns, yeah, <laughs> you, you said that very well. I really don't have anything to add to that. It's just, it's what happens when it had a similar feeling to it, though it was different in execution to Chiefs-Ravens in week three where you kind of waited to see what the Ravens would do in the second half, you know, to adjust mm-hmm. to a really bad first half. And it's like, oh, nope, they're they're still just going to keep blitzing. Okay. Oh, okay. That's, you you that's, still don't keep covering <laughs> – you still don't yeah. keep covering Landry with a, with a linebacker? Well, yeah, and that's – and this is actually – I remember we talked about oh. a potential Chiefs Steelers. <laughs> they landed like funny. four times and the dude was – I, have to dry. He, he made the man coverage against Landry. And, and, and the Brown, the Brown. Oh my gosh. So the Browns, we talked about this earlier this year. Okay. I was just waiting. Um, I'm sorry, the, Josh, but I had to get that all done. I'm like, like that's, 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 that's Landry. That's one of the better route well, runners in the middle of the field. And it's, it's just, just, just put the line back around it. Like, it's such a bad like idea. That? What do you do to your family? Do y'all, are it's, y'all similar to, <laughs> it's similar to the Cowboys. The Cowboys found out <laughs> early in the season that schematically the Steelers' defense could be stressed by spreading them out. Depending on the personnel you've got in there, the, the, the Steelers like to keep heavy personnel. It makes and it makes sense because those are the best players. And we talked about that. Why I just had a really hard time worrying about a Chiefs Steelers matchup because I just think mm-hmm. what they like to do on defense. Imagine you would have had that same thing, except it would have been you know a linebacker on Watkins or Kelsey or Hill or Hardman. Mm-hmm. It would have been the same result. Um, and so, just on a side note, did you guys see anyone on that Steelers team that looks remotely capable of covering Travis Kelsey? I, I don't know I if didn't. I've seen that guy this year. Like, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. ask him, look, Denzel Ward, come back, dog. Because um, yeah. if <sighs> yeah, unless unless the Chargers trade somehow a fully healthy Derwin James to them, <laughs> right. like right. it's if, just not happening. What what will prevent Josh? What will prevent Andy Reid from going four wide receivers with obviously Kelsey as one of them, and just and just motioning out Clyde Edwards Alaire if healthy. In into five wide sets, like like well, like we're, I know we're gonna get well. I mean to the nitty gritty, but but that is. I, I think the answer is that Andy Reid just sort of like forgot to pack his running backs as pass catcher section of his playbook at the beginning of the year. They were moving from like the home offices back to the back <laughs> yeah. to the stadium, and he just left that folder can, at home, and he hasn't these, caught up to him yet. These guys can do something besides run out into the flat. What? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I just he just it, he's it's a it's a big folder. It's just uh, it's just in you know just in the basement underneath that antique table that he was working from during the draft. So if you're Steve Spagnuolo, um, make make Baker Mayfield actually think for like two seconds, like mm. just that like that's uh, that's like goal number one is to again and because this is a divisional matchup and you know the team so well. It played into the Browns' hands in a way that I just did not anticipate. So, again, if you're Steve Spagnuolo, do some things that are slightly different. Pre-snap, post-snap motion. Don't put a linebacker out there. Don't don't put Ben Neiman on that island. Don't do it. Um, and, you know, have Baker Mayfield have to think about where the blitz is coming 
And also, their offensive line, a bit shaky because of injuries. Uh, does that play into the hands of Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Alex Okafor? Um, but, yeah, the Browns are going to have to... The Browns are going to have to play an actual playoff game. Whatever the hell that was last night was not a conventional playoff game. Right. It... It'll be an interesting game. I know we're going to have more to look at. I'm, I'm I'm excited for the matchup stuff. I'm excited to dive into the film to kind of see um, what the uh, what the Browns did on defense. I it's it's hard to to tell whether or not what they did is going to be similar to what they're going to try to do against the Chiefs because the offenses. I, I don't know if you could find offenses more different than Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Mm. Like it, it really, it's going to be both a very different game. Short yardage runs. That's one thing they had. <laughs> there you that's, go. That's, yeah, that's true. Found one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's, weapons. it's like the spider-man meme all over again yeah. just on that one very specific situation yeah it's just it's just like if you had like two alternate versions of the avengers but the spider-man is the exact same on both of them that's sort of they can still <laughs> yeah, learn each other but, but, every, <laughs> but everything else is like is like the dc versus avenger everything yeah. else is completely that's different right. but they both that's have right. spider-man for some reason yeah that's good that's better uh I also just saw this tweet that was uh, put up on this timeline here. There were 102 pass attempts last night and no sacks. And I'm guessing I'm guessing that's something probably we, we'll talk more like very Browns matchup specific later. But I bet I, I'll, I'll say this. I bet the Browns don't have zero sacks next week. That yeah. concerns me a little bit. Yeah. No, Miles Garrett scares me. Yeah. He, yeah, me he's, too. He he he's he he's a freak, and he can really play. Um, I also bet Patrick Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over five times. So yeah, that, times. That, that, that would help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, what? like five turnovers. That ain't a yeah, playoff so, game. What is this? That that's so many. And, and one might even say, arguably, <laughs> it's a bit of an indictment on the Browns that the Steelers managed to climb to a position where that late punt mattered. Yeah. Because if a team turns the ball over five times, my God, you better, you really should beat them by like 20. And like not have it come close after all those turnovers. I just, good Lord, it was bad. But at least, at least we get to be here for the Kareem Hunt revenge game. So, right. Okay. So, yeah, I was, I was just about to hop over and take the steering wheel and climb back over into the driver's seat and and grab onto that real quick because we are not going to have, we're not going to have our Texans dessert. I'm sorry, guys. We've gone too long. But I do need to uh, to let you have a second on the uh, on the Cream Hunt uh, revenge game. I will say to, to frame this as accurately as possible. Cream Hunt had the video where he said that next week's personal from the locker room after the game, and then afterwards he talked in, in the press conference. He was asked about the Chiefs, and it sounded much more of like a cordial, like I've got friends there. I you know they supported me, and I did good stuff for them. Kind of whatever you know. You can frame that however you want. There is a tweet from a uh, Cleveland Sports Talk Radio host that describes it as uh, Kareem Hunt returning to Kansas City, seeking to topple the team that gave up on him. <laughs> and that tweet's going around a little bit. And Nate, I would just like in kind of a nice little Cliff Note situation for you to just sort of run back the Kareem Hunt like uh, timeline with the Chiefs as best as you remember. Yeah, and and just kind of let's have a little refresher. Uh, Kareem Hunt made some young decisions uh, that occur at times. Um, he had a house party, as they would say, 
Um, this is before the 2018 season. Um, it's back in his hometown of Cleveland, essentially. And uh, a young woman was there. He appears to be influenced um, by alcohol, uh, was what was told to me at the time. Um, and he pushed this this woman uh, after an altercation, and then he kicked her. Um, there was video of it in the lobby. Um, or not in the lobby, in the hallway, excuse me. And when this occurred, obviously the police were called out, um, you know, and it kind of went away quietly. The chiefs, you know, inquired about it because that's what your employer does. Um, you should try to be honest. Kareem, after several attempts, wasn't honest. Went out, had a pretty good 2018 season. The chiefs were looking to be a dominant force headed towards the playoffs. TMZ posted a video again of him pushing a woman, um, escaping the protection of his friends, and he kicked her. And the team felt it was it felt like its only option was to release him. Um, now you have to remember at the time in 2018, um, the images were not the same, but they were eerily similar to what happened with Ray Rice and. There was a true discussion in the league if Kareem Hunt would ever play football again uh, because of it being on video and because uh the fact that he lied to his employer. Now, there will always be the discussion as to why the Chiefs cut him. Is it two things or is it more of a percentage of one versus the other? In the Chiefs' own statement, they kind of... And tell me if I'm wrong, Josh. They they put it in the hands of he lied to us, not mm-hmm. the action. Um, mm-hmm. Some could say that that was a way to help Kareem try to stay in the league if he got through his management issues, excuse me, his anger management issues, and maybe he handled himself um, when he when he was obviously you know out with friends, um, and there was immediate interest. By one team in the NFL, who was managed by John Dorsey. That was the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, in the subsequent offseason, I believe in February, uh, signed him to a one-year deal. And he has been a good football player, which he always was. And um, he has handled himself accordingly. But the notion that the Chiefs gave up on him is not correct. When in fact, Kareem Hutt put himself in a in a terrible spot. And then when the video came out, uh, there really were no other options. I think it's worth noting, you know, one quick um, IG video or what, was it Instagram that he put it on where he said, you know, next week personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always struggle, you know, with context. And he said a bunch of really nice things about the Chiefs in his presser. That, you know, there's a lot of people there that care about him Mm -hmm. and that he cares about. It really was a stupid thing to say from from an objective standpoint, the idea that it's personal. And I understand, you know, you're in the locker room. I mean, after a big game, everyone's hyped up. You're just kind of... that's Honestly, if I were to give any players advice, like, don't put things on the gram right after a win. You sound so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and 
And don't uh, don't try to be down with the hip hop. Okay, now I'm not. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> but no, don't 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 say things when you're emotional. Just don't. That's good life advice too, by the way. Give it a minute. Let it breathe for about five minutes. You know, type up the email. Don't hit send. Mm-hmm. You know, D- type up the tweet. Don't hit send, or just never tweet. I mean, these are good options. But like calling it personal. Because it's just going to give the opportunity for people, and maybe a deserved opportunity, to question whether any lessons have really been learned. And and, and honestly, to me, like the idea that it's personal, and and again, it might just be, ah, that's just who I used to play, that's all I meant, that's fine, people say things, but it really was a silly thing to say. Yeah. Uh. And why give the Chiefs, and I think it puts kind of Mahomes and a lot of those guys, because, I mean, they view him as their friend. Yes. But don't think that just because he's their friend, he's not like, don't think just because, you know, he's don't think he's immune from bulletin board material. Like, oh, oh, it's personal. Dude, you made decisions that like you abandoned us. Maybe 2018 would have ended differently had you not been an idiot beforehand. Like, yeah, I can very easily see that. You know what I mean? Or and, and again, like I've always I mean, man, this is bringing up a lot of a lot of stuff from 2018, especially towards the end. But, you know. There was a there was a lot of there was obviously players only meeting there was ma- meetings of, of management to multiple degrees, I yes. mean there there was a situation where, you know, if he had just told them what had happened or if a friend had told him which again read into that what you may, if a friend had told him what he had done and then he had told the team because of the implications of what had occurred that night, um. Maybe the Chiefs win the Super Bowl in 2018. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's 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 wild. Um, obviously, Clark Hunt, Andy Reid, um, Brett Veach at the time they're not uh, they're not incapable of having somebody try to better themselves while also mm-hmm. being a professional football player. Like they've given that opportunity several times, but there were some players um, that were really upset by a video dictating the season. And then there were other players, mostly older, having to explain, you you can't have this. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it will be, it'll be an interesting sight on Sunday, particularly in the pregame, because guys warm up and you, you can usually chit-chat beforehand. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to know that, like, Kareem Hunt was truly beloved, I think. And then it all it all changed, and um, he lied. and And we as humans do that; it happens, um, and there are consequences. And yep. the Chiefs the Chiefs learn that in a way that most NFL teams do not have to go through while they're on the course of like one getting the number one seed in the AFC, two trying to make it to the Super Bowl, and three um, trying to change the overall framework of the franchise because the team had not been to the Super Bowl since the calendar year of 1970. The the one other thing that I feel like is at least in some uh, somewhat um inexorably linked here specific to the Chiefs is the whole Tyreek Hill storyline. Yes, right. And from this point looking backwards, I cannot stress enough how different the entire story looks from this point looking backwards as opposed to at each moment you could have cut in at that time. Like it just just so much it so much ended up coming with that the full audio that came out from the 
the whole incident at the airport, mm-hmm. whatever, a year and then change ago now? Or yeah, two, two, years two ago? summers ago. I don't ago. know. Yes. Unbelievable how long ago that, how both that felt like a million years ago and yesterday. Um, but so, so, you know, we, so much ends up changing as you look back from that point. But one thing that the the Chiefs always maintained was that every like the, the Tyreek Hill's story constantly checked out with them, um, which makes more sense a little bit again, kind of from this point looking backwards. Mm-hmm. But the idea that the Chiefs have like have or have like ever had, you know, too quick a, a trigger finger to to say you know this is a red flag that's going to keep us from. Uh, bringing this player in or that we're going to make this decision really quickly or whatever, that is a totally, that that's a very weird thing to assign to the Chiefs that they gave up on Kareem Hunt whenever it is. And this is not me saying this is coming from some grand virtuous place. It would have benefited them more to keep Kareem Hunt on the team, like Nate just mentioned. And it's generally in most teams' on-field best interests to keep players that, that you know, do problematic things whenever they're a member of your team the the chiefs have been none too quick to 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 steer clear of guys because something is concerning around that story so that's always been one of the things that makes the idea that this is the again seeking to topple the team that gave up on him really stands out as being particularly silly uh against the chiefs of all teams because they've been they've been willing to kind of undertake some stuff in terms of of who they're willing to to leave on the roster. I don't know. I just thought that was it mm-hmm. makes it seem even more sort of out of place yeah. to me. And, and Which, let, again, not necessarily saying that's a virtuous good thing, but just that that is the setup. Right. And and let's not forget too the Chiefs organization led again by Clark Hunt, the owner, um was very clear in saying that they they wanted Kareem Hunt to have another opportunity. It it just couldn't be with them, so that needs to be sort of mentioned as well. Like it it wasn't like the Chiefs wanted to banish Kareem Hunt from the NFL. It's just he needs to obviously get you know get the help he needs. Obviously, people can get better with age and wisdom, um, but. He's also not the victim of like any element no, of the story. No, no, it's kind no. of the other thing no. where it's like he's gonna right. go get his revenge because he was victimized when that's not the case. Yeah. What happened at all. Right. And so and, right. and so again, look, the 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 Chiefs, I can tell you, are happy that Kareem Hunt is a successful player for the Browns who has not made any, you know, sizable mistakes since. Um, but you know, they made the decision that he he just couldn't he couldn't he couldn't be here any longer here in Kansas City. He couldn't be in Kansas City any longer. Or they couldn't associate with him. And they hoped that such a decision would benefit him in the long run. That appears to be the case as of now. Uh the long run is still pretty long, um, as <laughs> in all of our lives. But yeah, I mean, you know, people make mistakes. You hope to get better of it. Um, but to yeah, to categorize him as a victim when he made, you know. A, a pretty a pretty like i mean it's it's just oh, you brought dumb. me back josh you brought me back to a lot of things uh yeah. in 2018 but yeah i mean it's it's a uh it it'll be fascinating to see him back in arrowhead um because yeah he's just he's just he's a wildly talented football player um and the team knows that and so they're just they are they're hoping that he's 
is successful beyond Sunday. I hope somebody I, looked at their phone at like the yeah. 58 minute mark and then heard us say, let's talk about cream hunt in about two minutes and look back down at their phone again. Yeah, I did. I, so I, did that's on I have, I have yep. 30 seconds to, to add to that. Okay. Literally 30 seconds, that's maybe a- even less. If there's one team that you just maybe just shouldn't have said anything. I don't know why on earth you would say anything when it's the chiefs. Especially if they're, they're, a lot of them are your friends on the team. Just let it go, you know? Just let it slide. Don't provide. It, it, learn from Juju, everyone. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't provide anything that could be possibly construed as bulletin board material and give them an excuse to say, oh, well, Kareem, we love you, but uh, okay, buddy. Don't, don't give them that opportunity. Make them like you a little, like, oh, we don't want to tackle him. He's a nice guy. Not that that's how it works, but... I, it's just such a silly See, thing. I don't know why anyone would ever mention the Chiefs. That's why Mike DeVito was a Hall of Famer, just because nobody wanted to block him. Like, he's just such a good dude. <laughs> That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut, and the only way I can think of to transition from that to some laughter at the end of the podcast, so my job is pretty much done. <laughs> you can uh, check out all sorts of Chiefs-Browns previewing uh, up on The Athletic from Nate and Seth this week. You can also check out Seth's upcoming work in the Chief in the North newsletter. And you can follow all of us on Twitter. Nate's at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at Real MN Chiefs fan. I'm at JB Briscoe. We will, of course, have another episode probably, probably Thursday, I would have to think. Fully previewing this matchup and what we hear from both teams in the week leading up. And uh, all the action as the Chiefs, seriously, just have to beat the Browns to go to the AFC Championship game. Not that that game's going to be a pushover or whatever. I'm not trying to give anybody any bulletin material. But I, uh, it's just kind of funny to say out loud, like Kansas City, Cleveland, winner goes to the AFC Championship game. Uh, it just hasn't happened before, <laughs> so I guess that would explain why it sounds weird. All right, that's the podcast. Somebody say something funny so we can be done. Uh, all I'm saying is, does Kevin Stefanski really need to just just get healthy? Stay where you are. We got this. No longer my coach of the year, by the way. He's a fraud. <laughs>